Today we will be talking about depression. If you feel like you identify with any of the signs or symptoms of depression, please seek professional help. You can seek that help at SAMHSA's National Helpline. That number is 1-800-662-HELP, 1-800-662-4357. You're listening to Absent Minded with Marcus, Mario, Joy Ross, and Andover. All right, so today we have a, a solid topic, a juicy topic, uh, something that I think that amongst men isn't covered enough. What are we talking about today, Mario? We are talking about depression here, which I definitely agree with you. It's not talked about enough with men, and obviously, like men, you know, suffer from depression um, and other mental health il- illnesses, and those aren't brought up or talked about because of, you know, whether that be like society's expectations or, or whatnot, or a certain stigma with mental health uh, and men having mental health issues. Right. All right, so what we're going to do, we're actually going to go around the room and state a couple of stats. Marcus, what do you got for us? Uh, more than 264 million people suffer from depression worldwide. Uh, that could fill up a whole country. The United States by itself has about 300 million people. Yeah. 17.3 million adults, 7.1 of the adult population have had at least one major depressive depressive episode. That's meaning what exactly? One depressive episode. Like just feeling down, low. What does that really invoke? So right now here in a little bit, we're going to talk about like some of the signs and symptoms, right? Of like uh, depression. Um, but yeah, having so having one major depressive episode would mean like having a period of time, and I believe it's at least more than two weeks where you're feeling like low or unmotivated. Um, so you would qualify. I believe you have to like, there's five out of nine symptoms that you have to qualify for having an episode like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have one of those, that's basically what it's saying, that if you have five five out of the nine symptoms, then you qualify. And so it's saying that some of those people have had at least one of those, so five of those nine to qualify for that one depressive episode. Um, so, I mean, that that's a lot of people. And, and this is obviously not accounting for people that might have multiple, right? This is just accounting right. for people that have had one. Um, and that's already a high number. And usually when yeah, people... 17.3 million, yeah. Yeah. So usually when people have like, you know, um, usually a mental health issue they have others that uh, correlate with that. Um, So that's also something to consider when we're talking about these stats and like mental health. Now, now I got most adults with a major depressive disorder is highest among adults between 18 and 25. That to me makes sense. I don't know how y'all feel about y'all being in high school back then, but I could say that a lot of people especially in their teenage years, experience some sort of depression due to maybe not fitting in, bullying, you know, stuff like that. 
Now, 25 when, or even older, whenever you're more of an adult, you're so taken by life, by your nine to five, just focused on your career that you don't take the time to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. which is something we always got to do, looking out for ourselves, because yeah. who else is going to do it? Right. You know? Yeah. And I, mental health is a very important aspect of it. Right. And and I think, again, like with those that age group, right, like 18 to 25, yeah, like you said, that's that's a time when a lot of there's a lot of stress, a lot of things going on. There's a lot of like identity, you know, trying to figure out who uh, your place in the world and who you are and how to navigate, you know, um, basically adult life. Um, also, some people don't know this, but your brain isn't fully developed till you're about around that age, 25, at mm. least the part of your brain that controls like your impulse and like um, your emotions and how you react to those emotions. So there's a lot of like processing that is still trying to be figured out by people in that uh, age group. Dude, 18. Most right. people from 15 to 18 meet their first love. Right. And that's where they also meet their first heartbreak. Right. And then you're mm-hmm. still not in complete control of what your emotions are or understand your emotions. That I'm sure that has to... Um, be a factor to why there's so many depressive episodes because you can't control what those emotions are yeah you it, don't understand them it could definitely play a factor right, right? yeah mm-hmm. 8.7 percent of women have had some form of depression 5.3 percent of men have had some form of depression so that's interesting to note here too right um earlier we discussed obviously how we were going to talk about depression and like Specifically um, here today, I mean, we're all men and, and we're having this yeah. open conversation about depression and, and mental health and how it affects us. So we we need to take those numbers with a grain of salt, knowing that those numbers um, are prob- probably inaccurate, right? Um, a lot of men don't report their mental health struggles, don't report depression, um, don't get diagnosed or get treatment. Um, and again, there's a lot of different factors for that, right? Um, one of the big ones being just how... Um, society kind of plays a role and sees men as being weak or vulnerable for right, yeah. expressing their feelings or expressing that they have a mental health issue. Um, and so it's important to note that. And I hope that for the future, um, as more men become more open about their mental health struggles and issues and kind of have these dialogues that we're having today, that those numbers uh, definitely change and represent um you know, the reality of, of the situation and of men struggling with mental health as well. Like I was telling you earlier that I was, that I saw this TikToker that mm-hmm. she's, that she slides and whatnot. She stated that most men don't come, don't come forward about their mental health issues to their, in a heterosexual relationship to mm-hmm. their partner due to the fact that once they do, they lose their partner's respect because they're no longer seen as a male. Right. Mm. You, know, you see what I mean? Yeah. And again, that's the stigma of fucking society that if you're a man, you got to be a man. Right. Some emotionless object, I Cold guess. Cold-hearted motherfucker. Stuff yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Now, we also got 50% of all those with depressive disorders also have an anxiety, anxiety disorder. disorder. Right. Um, and that's also, that, that one's interesting to note, right? So... Um, there's this term called uh, co-occurring disorders. 
Um, and basically, if you ever come across that, basically what that means is that you have a mental health issue, and at the same time, there's another hen- mental health issue um, that you're uh, struggling with. So you have basically two layers or multiple um, mental health issues. Which uh, one would you say is more dominant? Um, it, it depends on the situation, right? Like, for example, some, some common ones are like you can have a substance use disorder and then you can have depression. Um, you can have depression and anxiety for like the stat states, right? And so when it comes to like treatment and, you know, whether you're getting therapy or medication or whatever, um, back back when they were still trying to figure out this whole mental health thing, um, they thought that like the best treatment was just to treat one one of the disorders and that the other one would kind of undo the other one. But that's not the case. So in treatment and in therapy, it's important to tackle both of the disorders or even three or depending on how many that person has at the same time because they do influence each other. Mm. Um, and so that's basically what a co-occurring disorder me- is or means. The definition of that is, you know, you have one disorder and then you have another one alongside and they're kind of mixed together and they influence each other. Um, so like the stat says, right, 50% of those with depression disorders also have a, an anxiety disorder. Um, so just keep that in mind for anyone that ever comes across like co-occurring disorders, right? And a lot of people do have multiple mental health issues, not just one. Do, do y'all, uh, any of y'all experience anxiety? I, I, I experience anxiety now, um, or at least I'm aware of it now growing up. I didn't think I had it. Maybe I did, but again, I wasn't aware of it. Now I'm aware that I get anxious in certain situations. What does that feel like? So for me, it's, I realized, and it's only been brought up to my awareness by other people. I never really picked up on it myself till people notice kind of how I think and how I process things. So for me, it's just a lot of overthinking. So there's a situation Mm -hmm. that happens and it's me overthinking about it and playing like different scenarios about it that have not even happened yet or might not be really accurate to like what could happen. It's just kind of like playing out in my head. And so that is sort of what like anxiety feels like to me, the emotions that come from like that constant like thinking um, or me feeling like nervous or I mean, there's like physical health symptoms too. like your heart can start racing. Uh, heavy you can breathing. Be heavy breathing. You can okay. like yeah. tap your feet or be fidgeting a lot, which I tend to do also. Um, so is those there things like any can... sort of like nausea or like wanting to vomit? For some people, yeah. It mm. hasn't happened to me, but uh, for some people, yeah. And then, like you can go even further from that, right? So like there's um, ang- like having an anxiety attack or a panic attack, uh, which I've experienced only one throughout my life. And the way that I describe that is basically you feel pressure on your chest and like you can't breathe and you literally do feel like you're going to die or pass out. Um, and it only lasts a few seconds or like a minute or something. But it, in that moment, it feels like you're not going to get out of that. Um, it's a weird thing. And I, I don't necessarily know um, where like an anxiety attack or panic attack can come from. But I do know it could be related to a lot of stress and obviously a lot of different like factors in your life coming at you at the same time. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys ever experienced one of those. I think... Uh, not so long ago, I became a statistic. Okay. Yeah. That's always like the feeling of wanting to throw up. Okay. Because I had that mm-hmm. uh, in a certain situation that I was going through. I, I received some some news and 
it hit me really hard where I started breathing heavy and also I wanted to vomit. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, was, I had never, never felt, felt that, that before. Yeah. But then again, I mean, we're going to cover it later on, but I've been going through some shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's important to, to note that, right? Like these, these feelings and like talking about that, I want to go a little bit into like the signs and symptoms of, um, depression. Uh, some people again might Diagnosis, not really. Diagnosis, Mario. Yeah, Diagnosis. like. But these like serve as a guide, right, for some people that that maybe wanna um, see if if there's something going on. And and like I said, like it's important to kind of like figure out, and if anybody does need help, to seek that like professional help. Right. Yeah. Um, but let me pull. Let me see these real quick. Um, so symptoms of depression so some of the things that like people can look for um unusual ir irritability or difficulty managing anger uh changes in your energy so that includes like feeling fatigue or restless uh sense of being slowed down unmotivated loss of enjoyment in like things that you're usually interested in so this can include like your hobbies or spending time with uh, friends or people you love uh a tendency to to think about uh things you regret uh, that could be your fears, mistakes you believe you've made, uh, and basically having other dark thoughts, uh, brain fog, uh, that's just difficulty concentrating and making decisions. And then you can think of like thoughts of death or suicide. Um, as far as like physical symptoms, because obviously these are more like mental or emotional, but you have physical symptoms as well that can be like insomnia, oversleeping, uh, well, feeling tired, we did cover already. Uh, maybe your changes in your appetite. So maybe um, you're eating more, or eating less. And so it's important to kind of, if you're trying to identify it in someone else, it's important to know what their normal is. So if right. this is a per person that already doesn't eat, them not eating doesn't really say anything, right? But if this is a person that typically eats a lot and all of a sudden they have this major change and they're not eating, then there's something up. Or the other way around, maybe this is a person that doesn't really eat and all of a sudden they're eating a lot. You know, and it's the same for sleep patterns. So you kind of like have to know what the person's norm is or their baseline. And, and anything that like goes on the extreme end of that, there's usually something up or something going on as far as you like identifying something. So when does depression become your norm, though? Because <clears throat> I've heard stories about people who come out of depression and they'll talk about how, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden I can hear birds singing outside. Now I'm paying attention and the world just seems brighter. I can see colors. And for the entirety of my life before that, everything just seemed gray. What if that was your normal before? That's interesting. Just be happy you see colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that That's really, I mean, I hadn't like thought of that or came across that before. That's interesting. I don't know if that would actually be a positive to depression. I don't know. What are you, what would be the negative to that? I guess if you're now seeing color and noticing different things, I mean... I guess still having like the feelings of or so like maybe they finally went and got help. They finally went and saw someone mm -hmm. and they told them, Hey, well, okay. On the medical side, your numbers are not where they should be. We need to regulate your hormones in your brain. And this is going to make you feel better. And now that you've regulated, guess what? Your entire outlook on life has changed. Hmm. I would say also understanding it will help your outlook. Understanding right. what, um, I guess, be given perspective of what you're going through 
what other people go through and understanding the situation will lead you to having a better outlook in life and seeing maybe this person went through it as well and they got out of it um it can definitely affect your perspective mm-hmm. yeah It'll help you see that color help you hear those sounds right and so like uh awareness is key right obviously to to like figuring out your your mental health situation and how to like go about quick, it or how, how to cope with it uh uh-huh. real quick I, I wanted to say something earlier um when you were saying about eating more eating less okay so that's where the 50 percent ties in right because now due to or having depression also leads to somewhat of an eating disorder it could yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think that's where like co-occurring dis- uh disorders could develop right like you have it starts off as one thing and then maybe you um, have certain symptoms or are coping a certain way. And in you right. coping that certain way, you actually develop another issue. Again, some people, for example, um, may be depressed. And so to cope with their depression, they use substances. But then the substances forms into an addiction. And now they're struggling with addiction as well. So now they have two different disorders that they're like um, trying to figure out or manage. Right. Um, same thing, you know, depression. And so to cope with their depression, somebody starts maybe overeating or not eating at all. And now they have an eating disorder tied to that depression. And so that's a whole nother thing that has to be like managed or tackled as well. Um, so it's interesting how these like things play on each other, uh, and how coping skills really like matter and can influence whether you might have an additional like mental health condition or not. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you, you bringing up awareness, right? Like being, being aware, um, of these things, you know, whether it's your coping skills, um, being aware is, is again, key to trying to figure out and manage those like mental health conditions or whether you should seek treatment or get professional help or whatnot. So some of the things to be aware of, I think when it comes to like mental health conditions, um, and specifically right now talking about depression, um, you want to think of history of trauma or abuse, right? Um, a lot of God times, damn right. yeah, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, that, that can come from that, you know, that depression, those feelings can come from a history of trauma or a history of abuse. Um, again, a history of other mental health conditions. So there's like PTSD, uh, we mentioned anxiety disorders. Um, you could be a, a obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and all of these, by the way, have been linked to depression before. Um, you could also have a chronic condition. Um, here I have that 9.3 to tw- uh, and 25% of people living with chronic conditions, such as diabetes, uh, also have depression. Um, substance use disorders, we mentioned that and how those tie in. And then you want to think of your ha- a family history because sometimes genetically you can be predisposed. You know, so, um, genetically you can have something passed down to you. Uh, you could be right. more likely to to be you know predisposed to depression. Um, or even be more likely to get uh, addicted to a substance if it already runs in your family, things like that. Um, so those are things to be aware of and consider when you're thinking about, um, you know, these mental health issues and conditions and uh, specifically depression and, and what we're talking about today. So with that being said, um, I don't know, I, I want to like discuss maybe some instances where you guys have felt depressed um, all right, who's got the balls to go first? Yeah. <laughs> um, <and> have... <laughs> Dang. Nobody? <laughs> I'm like, damn, I thought we were here to, to talk about depression. But um, I, I nominate Joey to go first. <laughs> yeah, Joey. Uh, well, 
Well, like I said before, I think it's got a lot to do with where you're where you're at hormonally in your brain. Because maybe I don't know. Maybe you ate something that triggered a release of hormones that'll do X, Y, or Z thing to you. Um, I've been driving to work at one point and just thought, wouldn't it be nice if I just died? Mm. And that... Joey, you were thinking that when we were working together? Damn. I don't think you were there yet. <laughs> okay. Also, no, I, I definitely been... added color and Jeez. sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you came into my life and just yeah, changed it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it might have something to do with that. Also, add into it the way you're used to thinking. Because at that point, whenever I thought that, I thought to myself, wait a minute. Why am I thinking like that? Right. I'm like, if you... I feel like that's a turning point when it comes to depression. If you can stop yourself and think, why am I thinking this way? I don't want to think this way. I shouldn't think this way. I'm not going to think this way. Then you can, yeah. Then you can turn yourself around. But if you're not willing to stop and analyze what your own thoughts are telling you, then you might just sit in your own mess for a long while. Yeah. Like I was telling, I was telling Mario on a phone call. Uh, and I, ha- I believe I told you too that I broke down at work. Um, it was this sequence of flashbacks and feeling worthless, and it's it put me put me to tears, man. I'm gonna be completely honest. It broke me down and broke me down bad, and it was kind of like I had this out of body experience where I saw myself, and I said to myself, "I'm not okay." And at that moment is when I admitted, like, I need help. This this is not okay. I've done that too. It's like all of a sudden you're just removed from yourself and you're seeing. It's almost as if you're seeing somebody else hurting and you're like, oh, how do I help them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, dude, you know me. For that to like just happen out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, only one knows what the fuck they're dealing with in their own head. Yeah. You know, and if, again, if we're taught to not voice it, that you're a fucking pussy if you do. And, and I mean, I, I ain't no pussy. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I want to put it out there. Yeah, but I ain't no pussy, bro. Years ago, okay. years ago, I started a blog where I just, hey, if I'm feeling something, I'm going to write it down. Right. Like, um, I know we weren't allowed to have our phones back at work, but I would take out my notebook and just fill it up with like all these like really bad emotional things. Mm. And then at the end of my shift, just take a picture of it and upload it to my to my blog, and then I'd forget about it. That's, wow, dude, I'm sorry. I, but then, like weeks or months later, I'd go back to it and be like, "Oh, I was feeling that really." Yeah, it's so I've done like similarly, uh, similar to you, and it's uh, basically writing down your thoughts or feelings when you're having like these intense, um, you know, whether it's a situation that happens and you're having these intense emotions come up. I've heard that like writing is really good. And for me, I've practiced that before. Um, Just getting my notes and writing down what's kind of going through my head. And it's interesting to like be able to kind of process that with yourself by just typing it down or writing it somewhere. And then when you look back at it, like whether it's a few weeks later or a month later or whenever you decide to reflect on it, sometimes you look back and you're thinking like, wow, I really was feeling that way. And those like emotions were um, intense in that moment, but they don't feel yeah. that way anymore. So I think it's it's important to like have these like ways to cope and and express those feelings 
but also be able to reflect and realize that sometimes those feelings and those emotions are only temporary. And if you can get by in that moment when you're feeling that intensity, then you're good. You know, you can you can keep cope and you can keep moving forward in life despite mm -hmm. what happens. Um, so I, I like that you've done that before and I can definitely relate to to you. And I uh, like I've also heard that to reflect on something when you write it down, read it over and over and over and over again mm -hmm. to the point where you are tired of it. Okay. That you at some point get tired of it and you want to change. Like, let's say you're, you're writing down that you essentially feel like shit, right? Mm -hmm. Read it over and over and over and over again. At some point, you're not going to want to feel that way no more, which you might want to seek some change. Make right. some effort, even if you don't have the energy, but make some effort to look for a brighter day. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like that perspective. And this is a little bit like, this is a conversation I recently had with a friend. And this is more based on like a relationship issue that was happening. But it's almost like there's certain patterns that play out in your life. And, and this specific situation was a relationship that, that my friend was going through. Um, and she basically was putting more effort into the relationship than the other person was. So she wasn't getting the same in return. So her keeping doing that over time was costing her a lot of like energy and effort. And basically what she came down to realizing is that she wasn't going to get the same in return and that she was becoming desensitized to that idea. So in her figuring that out, she realized that she was ready to change and move past that. Because if she didn't make a change, like nothing was going to change. So she decided she wasn't going to keep putting in the effort into something that was nothing was ever going to come out of it, you know, after trying for so long. And so um, tying it kind of to that, you know, back to back to that. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you're seeing these like thoughts or whatever you wrote. Right. And you're looking them over and over, reading them to yourself. Sometimes something clicks within yourself about yeah. that. And in that, you can change and grow from that. So I think there's something valuable in, like, also trying that as a technique. Um, yeah. Like I was saying, the sequence of flashback that was happening to me that day at work, that wasn't the first time that sequence happened. That those sequence were happening on and on. Mm -hmm. But it never got to that point, that breaking point. And when I got there, that's whenever it was, like, a point of reflection was, I noticed, like, shit, man. <laughs> I ain't good. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. So in a way, it could have been more of a mental note, you know, where I kept seeing that over and over again and then finally saw the breaking point and decided I wanted to change because it wasn't, it isn't really until, when is it that I started voicing it really? Like a month ago. Maybe so, right? at least, yeah, yep. that, that mm -hmm. I'm aware of. And this breaking point was back in March. We're already in June now. And it was in March, but I was trying to deal with it because I dealt with it before. Mm -hmm. I was trying to deal with it in silence. Yeah. Because, again, we, I ain't no pussy. <laughs> right, <laughs> Again, right. We, we as men don't, don't voice these things. Mm. But um, I got to a point where I, I said, you know what, I have to admit it. And the more I put it out there, the more I can, I guess, sulk in it. Yeah. And just let it be. Like that's the reality. I, I am. I do need help. Right. Uh, and I have to admit it, because it's until I do, 
that I will be able to achieve change. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when, and it's only been, what, like a month that I've been voicing it? Right. So, yeah. It's it's becoming aware of, like, the fact that you have something going on and that there's, like, an issue, right? Um, And becoming aware of that, then you can start working towards, okay, like, this is affecting me. What am I going to do moving forward and, and, you know? Am I going to get therapy? Am I going to get treatment? Am I going to get medication? You know, like, am I going to voice it? Because I feel like after you become aware, I feel like the the next thing you want to do is usually voice it to other people that you care about or are around you. And I found myself doing that after I realized that I'm affected by, you know, something. Um, You know, for me, it's been like trauma from when I was younger. And when I became aware of that, I realized I wanted to voice that to people that I cared about. And once I did, you know, then I knew like all these other issues were coming up from that trauma. And then I realized, okay, now that I'm aware of this, of this trauma, now that I voiced it to people I care about, now I'm ready to seek help and make the necessary changes to like not, you know, end my life or whatever. Um, And and going a little bit back to, I mean, you you said you talked about, you know, having these like thoughts right like you and i think maybe all of us at some point have experienced these thoughts um but these thoughts of like wanting to end your life or like you're driving down and you think like oh i'm just gonna like run this red light or like crash into this car or do this or that or it could be a lot of different situations right um should be giving the ammunition (laughs) (laughs) for me it was actually more of imagining like this big old monster just kind of stepping a humongous giant foot just like smashing into the booth i was working in and just obliterating me and just being like oh yeah i mean even even like scenarios like that right like i mean more total fantasy fantasy but it's still the feeling that's associated with that that you don't want to be alive anymore and so it's cost is cost to an end yeah and Mm -hmm. and so the the term for that is called suicidal ideation so suicidal ideation is you know, the, the thought of harm, wanting to end your life or harm yourself means you to an end, right? So it means to an and, end. And you don't, you don't, <laughs> and you don't necessarily have a plan. It's just the thought that run to your, ran through your head in that moment. So that's suicidal ideation. And there's levels to it. Of Obviously some people are more of an extreme end. For me, it's actually something that I have like struggled with and I still struggle with. There are points in my life where something like will trigger me. Uh, and will trigger my trauma and like past experiences. And in that moment, suicidal ideation kicks in and I'm just like, let me just, you know, uh, jump off this bridge or like go to this building and jump off the building or hang myself or um, whatever, you know, whatever thought or wherever. It depends on what I'm doing in that moment, kind of like thinking about that. But do I actually want to um, and do I actually have the plan to do it? Uh, for me, at least now, it's like, no, I don't. It's just that thought that crosses. So a lot of people do. Or you like to do, flirt with the idea. Some, Yeah, and some, some people, right, like to flirt with the idea or think about the idea. And so that is something that people uh, experience. Um, obviously, not everyone brings it up or talks about the fact that they struggle with it. But it is something that goes through people's minds. And so I think it's important to note that, too, and be aware that suicidal ideation, you know, affects people. Um, and it can be tied into obviously like depression. And it doesn't have to be even as going so far as to, oh, suicide. I don't want to exist anymore. It could be something as simple as I want to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. How am I going to hurt myself without bringing attention to myself? Oh, you know what? I may eat four donuts today. Maybe in 10 years I'll get a heart attack and die. Damn. Yeah. It's a little kill. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, the reason I said I shouldn't have given you the ammunition 
is because earlier I was saying how uh, a guy brake checked me. And at that moment in time, I didn't want to hit the brakes to stop myself from hitting him. It, had, yeah. it, it, it should be an automatic reaction to hit the brakes if you see somebody hit the brakes suddenly in front of you. But it had to be a conscious reaction, a conscious reaction of me to hit the brakes. Right. It's like I for a split second, to. your survival, the survival of yourself didn't matter. Exactly. Mm. I had to put effort into actually hitting the brakes. And that was actually today. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah. I had to actually put effort into actually hitting the brakes. And I, I, I noticed that. Right. I was like, oh, shit. But like I said, I still, I still want to live. I, I don't want to die. Just that, right. Mm-hmm. But at that moment in time, for some reason, my body just automatically went to that, mm. and I had to click in to in order to take over. You know what I mean? Right. And it was, it was definitely bizarre. It was, it's That's sweet. the first time I ever went through that, at least with uh, with a vehicle. Right. But there was a moment that you turned around inside your head and you said, "No, I want to live." Yeah. Even though that that survival instinct may not have taken over somewhere in there, you still wanted to live. And I was talking to one of my instructors earlier today in class about uh, DNRs, which are do not resuscitate orders. And she was telling us that, okay, once they have that order in place, even if you see them dying on the floor, convulsing or whatever, having a heart attack, you are not to touch them. You are to let it happen and let them go. And in my head, I thought to myself, but what if at that very last moment they change their mind and they're like, no, I want to live. Save me. What do we do? And she said, no. Well, once legally speaking, once that order is in place, if they change their mind at the last minute, they're gone. Yeah, because if you do save them, if you do, if you do resuscitate them, you got a badass lawsuit on your way. Mm-hmm. And well. I mean, we live in the U.S. We love to sue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. yeah, we do. That is true. <laughs> That's crazy. But one thing we were talking about before we started recording is identifying the triggers. Mm-hmm. Do y'all like y'all want to share what triggers y'all? Yeah, I think I have abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. Like even uh, I know when I was little. I don't know if it was, maybe I didn't realize that I had them, but I would just go about walking off by myself at like the mall or Walmart. Like I would be with my family and I would just take off walking by myself. Back then it wasn't an issue. But as I got older, um, that same issue became a different issue. Yeah. Um, it evolved. I guess it was because you get more yeah, understanding of what happened to your life and what, like, uh, like, like Mario was talking about traumas earlier. Uh, when I was, I guess before I was born, my mom decided she didn't want to have me. So I was almost aborted, but not. Mm. And there was always this issue of not being wanted that I didn't even know about. Because I, for the first 14 years of my life, all I knew is that I didn't have a birth mom. I had no idea who she was. Mm-hmm. Until I was six years old, my dad got married to another woman who I consider my mom now. But for those first six years of my life, I had no idea who was my mother. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess once I found out who my birth mother was and that she didn't actually care to keep me in her life, me going off walking around Walmart all of a sudden became me looking around Walmart being like, oh, where's my dad? Where's my mom? Where's my sister? Uh, I'm by myself. Uh, where are they? Where did everybody go? And um, that, I have no idea where I'm going with that. <laughs> I I mean I have kind of input to to what you're saying as far as like your abandonment issues and, and I have the other you, side of the you, coin. You're saying um, it evolved, right? Like mm -hmm. that that situation evolved, and and I kind of like that you use that because yeah, I feel like when we're younger, situations happen to us. You know, they can be traumatic or not, but these situations sometimes evolve into something else, or they mask themselves as as something in our adulthood lives and so we don't realize that till later on and so i feel like right now in in where i'm at in my life is that i'm trying to unmask a lot of these things that actually stem down to when i was a kid um i feel like i i didn't know i had abandonment issues till probably recently because uh, it's not something that i was aware of you know and then having attachment issues like i feel like i get attached to people too easily and and there's there's um something going on there that plays out in my relationships. And so when I thought of like, I, I came across this like post on Instagram um, and I don't have it with me right now, but it really like clicked with me and it went back to basically how a lot of the things we play out in our adulthood lives are basically representations of our dynamics with our parents when we were younger and what happened to us when we were younger, right? So I thought of like my parents, um, my dad has always been, uh, wasn't ever around in, in my life really. Like I don't have a very close connection to my dad. So I didn't have him in my life and I didn't have those needs met by my dad. So you could say like I have daddy issues for that, right? But when I thought of my mom, I didn't realize that my mom also didn't provide certain needs that needed to be met when I was younger. Because like, and, and this is obviously not to like diss at my mom, but there are certain levels of needs that need to be met, like your emotional, um, you know, your basic needs like food, water and shelter. And like I didn't think about that till recently that when I was younger, my mom definitely provided for us as far as like basic needs went, mm -hmm. you know, uh, shelter, food, all that clothing. But my emotional needs when I was younger, my dad was missing. So those weren't met through him my mom didn't really meet those. And I started thinking of like ge generational trauma, which is trauma, you know, that's passed down from one generation to the next. Well, I thought of how my mom grew up and my mom grew up with like, I believe it's like eight siblings and my mom's dad passed away when he was young uh, or when she was young. So it was basically my grandma surviving to keep everybody alive. So you can imagine being growing up in an environment when it's about just surviving and, and uh, getting your basic needs met, you have no time for emotional connection or to focus on that really because you're focusing on the other thing. So my mom grew up in that environment. So she kind of carried that with her, you know, in raising us for her, it was more about surviving and not really thinking about emotional needs and keeping in mind that like in older generations, mental health wasn't really brought up to anyone's attention. So there was really no focus on like meeting emotional needs or anything like that. Right. But me thinking of that, like I didn't have those needs met. And because I didn't, I being a child, I basically decided to become that. 
I decided to be the one that was gonna provide for everyone else emotionally and be the fixer in situations. So that's kind of a role that I played out throughout my life, always being there for others, uh, showing up for others, being emotionally available for others, because that's something that was missing in my life. And due to that, now I find it hard as an adult to get out of that role, even when it's in, in, uh, impacting, me, impacting me in a negative way. And it carries on in my relationships that because it's familiar, because it's the role that I played growing up, that I feel like it's normal for me and that I have to play it out, even when it impacts me in a negative way. And that can be a whole, you know, whole thing in itself regarding mental health. But again, I, th I think it's important to kind of like think about where some of your mental health issues are stemming from and the fact that they can possibly come from, you know, generational trauma, like other, you know, your grandparents or so forth, um, and can come even down from like your own parents and certain ways you were brought up or certain needs that weren't met when you were younger. Yeah. And it's weird how as an adult, you're playing those out and you're unmasking those things and trying to do better and kind of break those cycles. And I feel like for us and younger generations, that's a huge task because we're kind of like the first ones in line that are like, hey, mental health is a thing and this is obviously fucking everyone over. Mm -hmm. Why have we not been talking about this? You know, why haven't our parents been talking about it, our grandparents? And so we're they literally trying, yeah, they weren't aware of it or they like, like put it under the rug because again, it wasn't really that important. But now we're realizing it's having a lot of, a big impact on everyone. And so to like have to unmask all of that and for that's a lot of pressure on us to already have to survive in the kind of environment and society that we live in and very then have fast to moving. yeah very mm -hmm. fast moving uh you know high expectations in this society we have to meet that plus we have to undo all this shit that has been done to us um that's a big task to take on and we don't have the the tools necessary i feel nobody really taught us how to deal with this shit we're the first ones in line that are like hey this is a thing let's become aware of it now how the fuck are we going to move past it and we're kind of trying to figure that out because nobody else taught, taught us that so i feel like that's a lot of shit to take on in in our generation and even younger generations and some people don't really like think of that or like consider that, but it's fucking impacting us. So I don't know. I wanted to add something to what you were saying about the role that you play now in your adult life, which is something I came across online, which is the line was, it is heartbreaking to realize that you as an adult, your love language is what you needed as a kid. That's true. Ooh. Yeah. Goosebumps that, right here. <laughs> but yes, yeah. And my uh my love language to others. I, I haven't I know what I express, mm -hmm. but I don't know what I like to receive yet. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes I haven't, sense. I haven't explored that enough. But what I like to do is uh acts of kindness. Okay. And um emotional support. Mm. And that's what I've found to work for me and if i look back that's definitely what i missed you know yeah i can i can relate to you on on those two things too i feel like 
I mean, I, I give people emotional support and like I have acts of kindness, but yeah. And then again, I think about my childhood and my upbringing and what I was missing. And there was some things there that really needed to be met that weren't. So again, you kind of became that, you know, um, and you became that for others as well, because that was the way that you cope with it and survived that. Uh, it's a weird thing, but yeah, I don't know. Like, um, my nephews. I always tell them I love them. And that's something we didn't get, me and my brothers. And it is so bizarre that we do it for the kids, but we can't do it for each other. Mm. And I mean me to my brothers or them to me. Yeah. And it's so bizarre that it has to be something heavy in order for us to break down and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. That's why we're we're having these uh, discussions. You know, they I called be- it. <laughs> no, you, they they're obviously like heavy topics and and i mean yeah you're being impacted by this conversation and i mean i'm sure like whoever li- is listening will be too um it kind of brings up another like point that i wanted to make that like sometimes you know i i work with both youth and i work with adults and mm-hmm. I'm talking about specifically males here because I feel like, again, this is the conversation we're having, right? And yeah. we're all males in the room. Yeah, big, thick energy. Yeah. Big. <laughs> but um, I, I had a client recently um, that opened up to me about things that had happened to, to him when he was younger. And um, I was the first person that he was opening up to, you know, and this is an older, this is an adult opening up to about some of these things and for me that was like made a huge impact I feel like for me because to have a complete stranger you know just find me as a person that they're able to open up to about things that they've been carrying with them their whole life and that they couldn't even open up with their family or anyone else meant something you know was meaningful for me uh in my capacity obviously like to help that person but that that person also felt comfortable enough to share that with me and at the end of that like he was like someday you're gonna make a great therapist if you decide to do that you know and like I don't know I really felt that and it gave me a sense of reassurance and purpose but I really thought of that like shoot you know he's not the only one that I've came across like this there's other males that have suffered and are suffering in silence you know shit has happened to us and we have not like talked about it or been open about it. And so we're carrying that with us. And it's a yeah, lot of emotion, sure. you know. So it's important to have these discussions. And and I remember telling telling uh, this guy, I was like, well, if someday I do become a therapist, I would love to open like a support group for males where mm-hmm. we could discuss like just mental health and be open about that. Because and everyone just be pussies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we could, yes, yeah, so we could all be that together, you know, and like no judgment. Call it that. But the pussy. <laughs> unity. Yeah, um, um, fucking unity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, there, there's pussies a united. Lot. That's yeah. what I was thinking. I mean, Hey, let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> but yeah. So I, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've worked on on myself for quite a while now in in regards to like processing shit that's ha- happened to me. Yeah, and even now I'm at a point where I know that I need professional help to figure out the rest of the shit because I figured some shit on my own and like with the help of friends and like support around me. But it also sometimes does take uh, professional help to help you with other things that are be beyond you know. 
Um, so I think that's important for people to note also that sometimes you have to know where to draw the line and be like, you know what, I need medication or I need uh, professional help. So, yeah. The I wanted to talk about two things. Um, I remember at one point, our boss, one of our bosses, or now your ex-boss, he gave me a compliment that I hated the impact it had on me. And it had to do because of my childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. He gave me a compliment on how reliable I was, how responsible I was, and especially for my age. And how compared to other people my age, I have a very mature um, state of mind, if you will. Okay. And I hated that it impacted me. Really? Because I... I knew I needed that. Yeah. But that wasn't who I needed it from. Right. Mm -hmm. I fucking it's, hated it. <laughs> I left I left that day from work fucking mm, pissed. That's interesting. Wow. If, if that makes any sense. That makes, <laughs> yeah. No, that, that that makes a lot of sense. It's it's a weird thing when you're receiving the things that you needed as a child from other people that you didn't need them from, you know, but you're getting those. And so it, it it's a weird feeling to get that. Um I've learned to I mean, take that now, obviously, because it's not something that I got when I was like younger. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, so yeah. The the other thing is, the the trigger for me. The other thing I wanted to talk about, the trigger to me is feeling worthless, mm -hmm. and that's what those flashes were doing to me at that moment in time that I was talking about back in March. It was this sequence of. Basically being told by my father that I ain't shit, that he doesn't love me. I was a fucking mistake. And my brother's got this treatment as well. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's bizarre that we can't share the love amongst each other, but we can do it for the kids. The right. kids always know that we love them, but we can't say it to each other unless something is happening. Um, And it's him who I should have heard it from. Right. But I didn't. Yeah. And it sucks that I'm 25 years old and it affects me so much. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it, it does suck, right? Like, again, we can't, you know, like when I feel that way and when I think of my mom, right, I always kind of like come from a place of understanding and empathy and, and kind of think of their own upbringing mm -hmm. because a lot of it is they're just playing out a cycle and they didn't know how to break it. And so I think of that in regards to like what wasn't provided by my mom or my dad. And I think of like, well, and what kind of setting were they themselves, you know, um, brought up and like, I forgive them that way. And I think it's important to have those discussions, you know, even now as an adult, if you didn't have those needs met, you could still have that conversation because your parents are alive. Like, Hey, you know, Oh, dude, no. <laughs> I no. mean, yeah, it it depends on, no. on the person I've had. But I myself have had, like, conversations with my mom about my own upbringing. And, like, we've cried about it because it hurt her and it hurt me. But it's been healing to both of us. And sometimes the best we could do, like, as somebody, you know, like, in your example, or, like, you know, any of us, right? It's like, yes, like, shit happened to us. And the only thing that we could do is, like, try to do better for, like, the future. And, like you say, you know, the kids and... and mm -hmm. Because unfortunately that happened to us and like you might be able to have conversations with your parents, you might not. Uh and and it depends. Yeah. 
Yeah, on, on my boat, no. no. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I hated receiving that compliment from a boss. There's a reason I hated receiving it from him. I'm prideful. I'm mm. very, very prideful. Yeah. And so is my father. So this conversation and happening, I was actually talking to Marcus the other night about a script I was writing about a father and a son. And it's those stories that always fucking get to me, dude. For some reason, I see a fucking movie about a father and a son. Oh, dude, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm, I'm a pussy. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. I, no, I get no, no, it. no, I'm not saying I'm a pussy now. Like, watching the movie, I'm a pussy. Right. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm a pussy now, too. <laughs> Damn it. I, I'm I part get of Pussies that. United. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, I was writing a script where the father passes away and the son doesn't go to the funeral. Very reflective of how I see this relationship working out. Yeah. Between me and mine. And the son goes off to the lake, off to a, a cliff uh, by the lake. And he talks to his father there. He goes every day and talks to his father there, even though his father is no longer here. But it starts angry. And then after so many conversations, it reaches a moment of peace. And in a way, they find common ground. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you good? Um, yeah, they they find they find common ground, and um, he breaks down and tells tells him, even though he's not there. Why couldn't we have these conversations when you were here? And still going every day, but more of holding the peace. But now instead of going to the lake, he turns out going to the tombstone. And that's how I see this working out. Wow. Yeah, I, I feel like even that. if you don't talk to him, but you like literally just play out that scenario by mm -hmm. yourself somewhere, it'll still impact you. Yeah. Oh, dude, it does. That's why I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like no. you, you'll get like an actual release from it. Yeah, I, I, that's something that I've like le uh, learned to do, and kind of uh, it's a way for me to cope now. And like I recommend this to anyone, right? Like you're mentioning, um, I feel like we all carry other versions of ourselves. Uh, inside of us in our mind or in our heart right um, absolutely that child self that teenager self and and certain experiences that we went through so what i've like learned to do and that's like been really healing for myself is when i'm feeling these like intense emotions right or feeling like angry or something um or something triggers that certain part of my life when i was that certain age or whatever i go back in my mind right i go back to that i kind of remember how I looked at that age and what happened. I go back and think of what I needed in that moment. And now being as an adult and, and knowing what I know now and having grown, yeah. I give that to myself in my, in my mind. I basically give a big hug to, to that little boy that I was, you know, when I was five or, or when I was a teenager and I needed someone to be there for me. 
And I tell that person in my mind, I, you know, that version of myself, I'm like, hey, it's okay. You can let that go now because I'm here for you and that's not affecting you anymore, you know? And that sometimes can like be really releasing and healing. And I've, I do it a couple of times, you know, when certain stuff happens, but it's really weird how powerful that can be for someone. And it's been really powerful for me. So that's something that I recommend. And it's kind of like, you know, even like you said, like you wrote this, this thing, you know, and, and like, you know, like Joey mentions, um, playing that scenario out sometimes can be like really helpful in your healing because it's not something that you got, but in some way you can give that to yourself in your mind um, and give that closure to yourself now being an adult. To what you were saying of um, how you envisioned yourself and seeing a younger version of yourself, the mm -hmm. way I envision my mind, it's a cell, a big warehouse with a cell right in the middle. Okay. Me butt-ass naked inside of the cell, mm -hmm. but different versions of myself coming over to berate me. Because, hmm. again, my trigger is feeling worthless. Okay. And that's what these different versions of me are telling myself. Okay, I see. So that's that's where I'm at in my head. Yeah. Can and I, I don't know what the fuck the cell represents, but that's what I see. That's what I feel. Okay. Can I give you a little recommendation? Um, Not hit the break. That... <laughs> <laughs> for, for one. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. You, you want to hit the break. <laughs> Switch out that person that's in the cell. Okay, you know how I get like really metaphysical about reality and stuff, right? About my, mm -hmm. my ways of thinking. I've imagined right. that, well, well, at least one of the ways that I've <laughs> managed to lift myself out of those like dark places, I'm imagining that I'm playing a game and like this whole life is the game. And right. me, or like that me over there is just an avatar. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, I literally have to build up that person lift him up, tell him good things so that he can be a better player in that game. That was um one of the steps that I did, but that didn't always work because sometimes I would be like, okay, well, you know what? This life is the Sims and I just want to burn it all down. And then what I started doing is seeing that person as the person I love the most. Like in the most recent times right now, that's been like my baby niece. So like mm. I've imagined what if she started feeling that way? Would I ever say these thoughts that I'm thinking about myself? Would I say them to her? Mm -hmm. No, I don't want her to ever have to go through that kind of pain or those kind of thoughts. So I imagine, no, what would you, how would you change that for her? Well, like those thoughts are automatic, bro. Yeah, but you have to remove yourself. That's the thing. Like the way you mm. have to remove yourself and be like, nope, I'm gonna step on the yeah. brake. I mean, you're 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 saying they're automatic and they are wired to some sense because that's kind of like what you grew up with and like kind of created this idea. But because you also created that idea, you can also break away from it and create a different idea or different reality in that sense. So, like what I could see in your situation is like you're in this cell and there's other versions of you, you know, uh, telling you're worthless or beating you up or whatnot. You could create another version that breaks you out of that self and is actually kinder to you and saves you from that. You it's going to take a while. I don't think it's going to be automatic. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a while. Okay. Or, that's that's yeah. what Andover is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Back, uh, that's something I actually wanted to touch on. Mm -hmm. um, back in high school, I mean, I'm not going to say my real name, right? But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but back in high school, 
I had this big fucking dream, like I had stated in a previous episode, that I wanted to be the closing DJ in the biggest fucking festival. I wanted to be a well-known music producer. I I had this fucking huge pipe dream. But I was looking for a name. I was reading a book. I already forgot what the fucking book was. And the name Andover came up. Now, I like that it started with an A. Because everything at that time, for some reason, the artist that I was listening to had an A. Axwell, Angelo. Like, it, it just, it fit. And no, I had never seen anybody else with it. So I, I, I just said, I'm Andover. But I didn't say I'm Andover right then and there. I hated who I was. Thoroughly. So then I put an image to what Andover was. And then I worked up to be that person. And like our friend Angel, mm-hmm. he could tell you a long time ago, I was very different. Hmm. He he might even go as far as to say I was kind. <laughs> wow. Okay. But I still think you're kind, but <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. It's just me. Um but yeah, uh the 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 vision of Andover was a very, very different version of who I was in the sense that he was confident, he loved himself, he had no self-image issues, and anything that he wanted, he would go out there and achieve it. And that's where a lot of my now character comes from, where I can, I believe I can do anything. But now, since March, that belief is kind of gone, hmm. you know? Yeah. And that doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> Andover is kind of dying out, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, man, yeah. But I, I invented someone else and tried to transform myself into that person. Okay. Because who I was already... I didn't like. Hmm. So I didn't invent someone else in the cell. He's just alongside with me getting berated now. <laughs> oh, man. He got trapped in there, too. <laughs> Shit. I guess you're going to have to bring in a third or something. Yeah. Like, I'm Mario now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, damn it. That's crazy. I'm Joy Ross. <laughs> oh, dang it. I'm going to have to choose one of my alters now. <laughs> Honestly. But yeah, and um, I don't know if you were saying that that could be, uh, what was it? Split, no, not split personality. Oh, like disassociating? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I mean, you could, could, in a sense, yeah. So disassociating, you can, you can, um, you can either create like different realities or different versions of yourself or different personalities. And sometimes that can go into like, depending on the intensity of it for some people you know it can go into like actually having or being diagnosed with multiple personality disorder um disassociating though usually stems from some some trauma um you know you don't want to be attached to reality so you detach to it or your subconscious mind um or your mind just in general detaches from reality as a way to protect you because you don't want to face reality and so Mm -hmm. again you can create certain scenarios in your head and sometimes you get uh, caught up in those scenarios and you lose track of time and you lose track of literally reality because you're in your head um and yeah and and that's something i wouldn't say i'm at the extreme end of that but i definitely do disassociate and usually with me i only diso- disassociate when triggers come up when certain things in my environment happen or pop up that remind me of my trauma or certain situations right then i'm like 
I don't know how to cope with this right now and I don't want to. So I lock myself out and I go into my head and I um, basically on autopilot, you could say like mm. it's kind of like driving a car, but you don't really you get home, right? Like you're driving, you get in your car, you drive home, you get to your house and then you're like, you don't even remember all the lights you went through the streets. Oh, you just got sure. there. So that's kind of like being an autopilot, right? So that's what disassociation feels like to me. It's just I'm just navigating on autopilot, but not really like processing anything or being aware of what's going on till I snap out of it. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, time just like happened right now. And I didn't realize it. Um and like for me, I know where that comes from because I have trauma from when I was younger. So I can definitely trace it to that trauma and like different events in my life. But for other people, they might still not be aware of why did they disassociate or why that happens to them. You know, um, I think like having multiple personality disorder, uh, I think it's called disassociative identity disorder, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, having that is definitely <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a different extreme uh, extreme end, you know, uh, I think that comes from a lot of like trauma, uh, and having to cope with that trauma. One thing I've been finding myself doing after work is probably spending 30 minutes to possibly 45 minutes just sitting in the car, not even listening to music, not even being on my phone, just staring out the fucking windshield. Okay. Staring into the other windshield of the car in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Yeah. And not really thinking much just staring there blankly yep yeah i don't know what the deal is with that but yeah i mean in in some ways i've been doing yeah (laughs) in some ways that could possibly be you disassociating right um and it could be like a way that you're coping uh i think as long as you're not obviously like harming yourself uh, or harming other people around you then it could be okay and obviously if you are somewhat still snapping back into reality not getting too carried away um and if you're using that to cope and, and you feel like it helps you out, then for now, right? Like it's not yeah. a bad thing. Um, talking about like coping skills, I just wanted to like mention a few. So like we talked about, obviously like disassociating can be a coping skill. And I think that's more of a negative one. Um, you, there's also obviously like isolating yourself, right? Some people use that to, to cope uh, again, negative, um, but also like focusing on definitely the positive ones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I isolating yourself. I've I've done that myself. There's this thing called maladaptive daydreaming, which kind of goes hand in hand. I would say with like in some sense disassociating. It's basically where you're um, daydreaming in your head. You get caught up in scenarios in your head, and again, you lose track of time and you're not really aware. So in some ways, that's like disassociating. You fantasize about certain things in your head and you get caught up in those ideas, um, <laughs> and they can affect obviously like your quality of life. Um, and then you forget that you haven't actually had those conversations in real life. Right. That too. You you think you're having a conversation with someone. And, and then, then you're you, actually you, talking you, to the person you were supposed to confront. You're like, wait, didn't I actually tell you? Yeah. Or or you can come up with like, for example, a text and you think in your head you've wrote it out and you think you sent it. And then you look and you realize you haven't sent anything because you just did it in your head. And so you're like daydreaming about that. Um so those are more like negative coping techniques, I would say. Um, some positive ones were like simple, like gra- just grounding yourself, right? And that could be done through meditation, um, different things. I mean, sometimes going on drives. Um, art and expressing yourself could definitely be like a form of coping as well. And it is for a lot of people. I know I myself, I find art and, and express, you know, more so dancing and music for me is the way that I cope with, you know, trauma or different experiences in my life. 
Um, comedy can be one for some people, right? Their sense of humor. Sometimes that's dark sense of humor. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, sometimes some people have anger, right? And so that's like an, oh, a yeah. strong emotion. God damn sure, yeah. But you can find positive ways to cope with that. I mean, yeah, beating the fuck out of someone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Almost it's positive death, for me. Damn. There's like, <laughs> damn. I mean, become geez. a lumberjack. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to bring up those like coping techniques, and and I think those are important to also note for like, you know, all of us, and like for anyone listening, really. Now I don't want to force this person to share anything. Okay. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but I mean I, I fucking cried here. It's a safe it's a safe room. Yeah. Do you have anything to share, Marcus? Nah. Fuck <laughs> Corn. Yes. Cornflake. Corn and porn. They go hand in hand. What? No, do you have anything to share or something you might want to get off your chest? No. You fucking liar. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna force you either, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's not important. Don't worry. Okay. See, Okay, I'm. I know I Don't shouldn't. Start. Don't start. <laughs> no, I know it's I shouldn't important. speak for him. It's I, not important. No, okay. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing that because he he's a really close friend of mine. Yeah. And I don't like that he doesn't give his issues importance. Okay. They're really not. He he thinks that other people's issues are more mm-hmm. important than his own. Mm-hmm. They are when you compare them. I personally don't think so. I, I think that if they're your issues, they're important, period. Right. That That's the problem, though. Like, when you compare your issues to other people, you're just saying, and you're invalidating your own experience and your own exactly. feelings. And that we can all sit here and compare ourselves to other people and be like, somebody has it worse. But that doesn't take away from the fact that you're still living and you're still having an experience. Exactly. And that shit still affects you, and that's important, you know? And I think it's important for anyone. So, like... I myself don't like to compare myself to whatever else is somebody because I know like somebody else might be having it worse than me or maybe not as bad as me. And that's okay. But regardless, like when I'm talking to clients, when I'm talking to friends, whoever is non-biased, right. I always take their experience and what they're telling me as like, this is important to you and it's affecting you. So it's important to me, regardless of whether it's worse than my situation or not. Like it's still your experience and it's affecting you. So it matters for sure. So I feel like, I don't know, like if, if that hopefully helps in any way, like, you know, again, I'm um, not going to force them right, to say and, and, anything. Yeah. There's no force. I mean, you but have, I just you have your own boundaries, that. but that's, yeah, it's important for you to like, kind of think of that. Cause it does matter. Um, it definitely does. Yeah. Dude. Whenever, you know, I mean, if whenever you feel like, or maybe you'd never want to share, but um, I, I just you, think he doesn't trust you, Mario. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> it's not that. It's bad. okay. It's it's he leaves bad. the room and oh, it comes spilling out. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I'm just trying to start shit. <laughs> it's okay. It's just not don't. important. Yeah. So don't no, worry. it okay. is important, no, but you don't want to share. <laughs> yeah. You don't it's feel comfortable sharing yeah, at the time. Yeah. It's not important. And that's okay. Yeah, it is. What yeah. if your story is the one that resonates with every Everybody. single person on the that I listens to the podcast? <laughs> Actually, you no, never know. dude. Actually, no, but Why? I mean. <laughs> You're like to each their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah. But. um, Yeah. I mean, we'll leave it at that. I mean, if that that's your boundary, like obviously that. 
that should be respected. No, like I said, it's not that I don't trust you or anything. It's just I'm, that I'm, it's dude, I was just kidding. Dude, I was no, just kidding. Just, I was just kidding. It's not important. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Even yeah. though it's true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> yeah. So before we close this off, um, I just want to say that Real quick, real quick. Okay. <laughs> to add to add what to he was saying. Okay. Uh, that some issues might not be important. And all that. The fact that I broke down while talking about my daddy issues. Mm. Dude, some people might come forward and be like, "What a fucking pussy," and I, I'm sure some will, because I mean, it's online. Yeah. You know, you're putting yeah. your shit out there. You're gonna get judged no matter what, and I don't give a fuck by who it is. But yeah, I'm more than sure someone's gonna consider my problem as not important. Compared to theirs. Yeah. And I just want to say that every issue is important, just like how you said. Right. For mm-hmm. which yours is important, bro. Right. Don't think it ain't. Yeah. It is. If you're really thinking even, me bumming around Walmart, just being like, where's my mom? Where's my dad? You think that's important? <laughs> that is I mean, the dumbest is. problem ever. <laughs> but it is important. <laughs> but right. But if it yeah, affects yeah, you, it's important. important. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and you never know. It it could be just like that one person it resonates with. Join even Pussies you, United. <laughs> hey, let's go. Join us. <laughs> but yeah, uh, damn. No, but yeah, I'm not going to force you to say anything, but I just want to let you know. If if the thing is feared of being judged, it's going to happen regardless. Mm. It's going to happen regardless by people you don't get, really give a fuck about. And even right. by those that you do. But as long as you get it out there and you vent and you're able to start the healing process, that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it at that. For sure. Pussies United. Yeah. Pussies <laughs> United. Let's go. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So before we close this off, I want to I wanna ask you guys mm-hmm. a very simple yet heavy question. Okay. I want to ask you guys if you would like to share a text message or something you wish you would have said to someone that you feel that you no longer can. I mean, <laughs> who wants to go first? <laughs> I'm like, I'd send my birth mom a message and just say, why? That's it. Really? That's it. Mm. No, but like I would never, I don't have a relationship with her. So I don't, I don't feel comfortable asking her any questions other than, hi, thanks for my birthday present. Bye. Oh, she gives you <laughs> birthday presents. Not anymore, but she used to. Okay. Now it's just more like a birthday text or a card. But you would like to ask why? Mm-hmm. I'm curious, but like I already have a mom, so I don't feel like I require it. But you're still curious. But I'm still curious. Yeah, but I'm not in like a comfortable position with her to be like, "Hey, why?" So I'm not gonna do it, but I want to know. <laughs> the the Mexican cheese muscle in you, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. itching. Anyone else? I, I mean, I I have two and they could be like pretty short i don't have to make these like super long if that's okay like sharing two different ones it's good okay um i think one would be my dad um i mean he has dementia so it can't really have like and he's in a facility so i can't like have communication you know like 
I mean, I can communicate with him over the phone and like even probably visit, but like it doesn't matter because he will forget in a few seconds. So I can't like have some closure that I would like to have from him from when I was like younger, but I would like to ask him like, you know, kind of like what happened in his own upbringing and why he, you know, decided to not really be there for for me and my, you know, my younger brother when we were growing up and, you know, kind of like that. I think you would want to understand them. I would I would want to understand my dad and why things happened the way they did and why he led up to basically what happened. I mean, he struggled with substance use and alcohol and then that led to his dementia. But I would like to like really understand that. And I mean, I understand some of his trauma from like, you know, talking to my mom and stuff and some things that happened to my dad, so I understand that, but I would just love to understand more because Obviously, that's generational trauma and it impacts me. So right. I would like to have an understanding of that. And then, like, I think the other one that I would like to, like, if I could tell my brother passed away when I was, like, I don't know, maybe 15 when I was in ninth grade or something. Uh, I would just, like, love to tell him that I love him. Um, and, yeah, and just, like, be able to hug him and hold him and also kind of understand what he was going through and be able to help him now that I know the things that I know, like, I don't know. And like, there's this one thing that he liked that we both liked doing. And, um, he lived in Mexico. So when I would visit there on the weekends, I would take him like a CD that I would rip online with different like songs and I would show him different music. And we just like kind of connected that way. So like, I would love to be able to do that again and just like tell him like, yeah, that I love him one last time and hold him and, yeah, just wish that I could, like, understand him more. Is he um, younger than you? Mm, he would have been older than me, like, now in his 30s. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, those would be my two that I would like to say something to, yeah. I don't know you for that long, but, dude, I'm sure he would be proud of you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that means a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> Trust me, that hurt because I'm prideful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate no, it. You never compliment another human being. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean it 100%. I know, I know you mean it. Thank you, Marcus. What's yeah. up? <laughs> no, oh my God. Damn it. What's up, bro? You, you know the question. <laughs> Anything you would like to tell anyone? You don't have to say who. Well, not really, because when it comes to my family, like my dad, my grandma, my brother, my mom, I always tell them that I love them too much, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like a, in a constant. Uh, you berate them with yeah, love, yeah, like mm -hmm. to the point that I annoy them. <laughs> I always yeah. hug them, always kiss them, so I never miss the opportunity to tell them that I love them. When dude, it comes that's to that's a blessing in its own, dude. Oh, you're my uh, little brother. That's exactly <laughs> how he is. <laughs> Might say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and when it comes to relationships, I mean, I've never had a girlfriend. I've never had anyone like that. So not really. I can't I'll, relate. I'll, I'll cut that out. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, so you, you feel like you could honestly say not so much that you have no regrets, but there's nothing you've withheld. When it comes to what? Like specific. Saying something or. 
expressing yeah. something or maybe even somebody that you know like maybe you haven't been in a relationship but like somebody that you did like or admired that you yeah. would have liked to tell like hey you're freaking beautiful or i love you or whatever i don't know or the way you, the way you talk to. or more the way you talk i like to hit that yeah or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i want to stick it in <laughs> Damn it. Uh, then yeah for sure what would you like to have said Mm, I don't know the exact words, but I would have loved to said something. Oh, just to like let her know you were interested. In a way, yeah. I mean, okay. That's good, man. Damn, that's good that you shared. You're next up, sir. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Roll calls on me. I would like to tell a specific someone that I'm sorry. For sure, that I'm sorry. And that uh, she has no idea how much I love her. Damn. That's for damn sure. Wow. That's one thing I'd like to share. I'm not going to say who, right? But, <laughs> but I want to leave it open just to, you know, opportunities. <laughs> I just fucking around. But yeah. <laughs> Someone entirely inappropriate from your past is going to come back and be like, I love you too. <laughs> and that's the opportunity. <laughs> oh my gosh. We want to go ahead and thank you guys for listening to another episode of Absent Minded. We want to go ahead and invite you to tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We might even be on Amazon Music, YouTube, whatever, wherever you can find us. We invite you to tune in there. Again, thank you so much. See you guys next time.